This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. Continue to be in prayer that God directs, bless, keep, strengthen, and use us. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. And it reads, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Our subject this morning, Are you really that angry? Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, deliverer, we ask now in a special way that you speak to us. We, your servants, that we might hear, but not just hear, that we might believe, not just believe, that we might do what you call on us to do. Thank you, God. Spirit of living God, fall fresh on us, and we'll give you praise, honor, and glory. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Are you really that angry? Anger is defined as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. What makes you angry? Who makes you angry? How do you act when you get angry? When was the last time you got angry? Or when was the last time your best friend or your spouse or even one of your enemies might say that you got angry. Are you angry right now because I'm asking so many questions about being angry? <laughs> we do all sorts of crazy things when we're angry. Some terrible things when we're angry. We can think some mean things when we're angry. 
we can do some mean things. We can say things to other folk that we probably didn't mean to say when we were angry. Now, some folks say it was there all the time. It just came out of you when you got angry. Some terrible things have been done under the guise of being angry. But also, we will not do some things because we're angry. Yeah, there's some things that we could do, I could do, but I won't do because I'm angry about what you did or what you said or what I was told you did or said. Speaking of getting angry, there are times possibly that we've also been angry with God because of something that happened in life or something that did not happen in life. This is the case with Jonah. Jonah in chapter 4 verse 1 says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. What could get this man of God so upset that he would become so angry that he wished to be dead? Now that's, now that's, that's real anger. But is it possible that today, in the time in which we live, we can get so angry that our very thoughts and our very actions displease God? Seeing that we desire to please God and be faithful to his word, let's look at what, what angered Jonah and how we can avoid displeasing God by joyfully doing what God asks and requires of his children. First, make a note. Disobedience leads down. The, the only direction to go when we're disobedient is down. The ultimate down is to end up in hell. But Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 to 5 teaches us. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus away from the presence of the Lord but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up when the mariners were afraid and cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten for them but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. In just five verses, Jonah went down four times. You can't get any lower than trying to get away from God. You can't get any lower than trying to flee the very presence of the Lord. What are you doing or what 
or want to do that you don't want God to be present. What, what are the things that we think that if, if we could just get God to, it, it, it reminds me of a pastor who told the story of him dating. And when he was dating now, this is going some years back because folk don't do it like this anymore. But when he was sitting in the living room dating his girlfriend, his daddy, the girl's daddy would sit there in his chair <laughs> while he's dating his girlfriend at her house, her daddy's house. And he said, when he preached, he said, listen, my brothers and sisters, we sat there just hoping he would just fall asleep. <laughs> I wonder how many of us are just hoping that God would just fall asleep. He who watches over Israel slumbers not nor sleeps. That's why a lot of destiny things are done late at night when it appears that God is going to be it. <laughs> Jonah was given directions to warn Nineveh concerning the coming of the wrath of God. But Jonah decided, that's not what I want to do. If you know the evil that's in Nineveh, we probably can empathize, empathize with Jonah and possibly even agree with him. Amen. Nineveh was considered an evil place. They did evil things. It was a violent city. The sirens were, were ringing all the time in Nineveh. It just seemed like there was always something going bad, some sin, some violence. It was a place of persecution, even for prophets. It was a terrible place for those who wanted to say the right thing. No one would blame Jonah for being afraid to go and preach in Nineveh. It looks on the surface that he's not going because he's afraid. I often wonder, why don't we go and witness to those who need God the most? Those who apparently have other gods. Those who would rather chill than worship. Or kill than communicate. It's a scary world out there. We probably think being afraid to talk to the people that we talk about, we probably think that makes sense. Amen. We don't need to talk to them. We can just talk about them. We, we can just talk about how terrible they are. We can talk about how terrible the world is. We can talk about the various things that we heard that they did and how they did it. We could talk about how they partied. We could talk about how they drank. We could talk about what they smoked. We could talk about how they dressed. We could talk about a whole lot of things about them because they're just so evil. I wonder. We probably think being afraid to talk to these people makes sense. It's not my fault they don't know Jesus. Amen. If I don't bother them, they won't bother me. 
as we fail to witness our community becomes more and more disobedient to God. As we fail to witness our community because of our disobedience continues to go down, down, down. How can we expect this world to be a better world if we who knows life and we who knows the Prince of Peace and we who know joy will not share it with those who don't? It appears on the surface Jonah fears Jonah fears man more than he fears God. Secondly, God leads to obedience. Meditate on that. God leads to obedience. Jonah purposefully headed in the opposite direction where God told him to go. Yeah, he, he, he was heading for Tarshish, the opposite direction from Nineveh. He, he, he purposefully headed in the opposite direction God told him to go. How many of us have gone in the opposite direction God has told us to go? Even for what we thought were good reasons. But God, God has a plan. To get us on the right course. <laughs> yeah. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah went down to Joppa, went down on the ship, and then down on the inner part of the ship and laid down to sleep. But God had other plans for Jonah. If you read Jonah, it's, it's, it's a short book. You can read the whole, whole, whole book of it. But if you read Jonah, you find out that there was a great storm that arose when he got on this ship. It was such a great storm that they couldn't go anywhere. The wind was blowing. The waves were dashing. It was just keeping the ship from moving forward at all. It was getting so traumatic. And it was so traumatic that they even started crying out to all of their gods. They, they didn't serve the God Jonah did, but they started crying out to their gods. But yet the wind kept blowing and the, and the waves kept beating against the ship. And you know it was bad when they start throwing the cargo off the ship to make it lighter. Y'all know how we love stuff now. <laughs> and they start throwing the stuff overboard so they could be saved. They could throw the stuff overboard because the ship could be lighter and they thought they could be able to get through this storm. But they realized that wasn't working and they saw that Jonah was not praying. And they said, Jonah, you need to pray to your God. Whoever your God is, we pray to our God. You need to pray to your God. Jonah said, well, I, I, I kind of know why we're in this situation. <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? What, what, what the God I serve told me to do something, but I, I'm, I'm, trying to very, I'm trying to flee his presence. I don't want to call his name because I'm trying to flee his presence. But, they, but listen, strangers to Jonah still tried to save him by rowing and trying to get out of the storm still. They're still working hard to get out of the storm, even though they now know, and they cast lots and found out that Jonah was real, the real reason why they were in this predicament. It wasn't until they grabbed Jonah, threw him overboard, that the water's calm. The water's calm. And that was such a miracle and such a testimony to the men on the ship decided they were going to follow whoever Jonah's God is. 
But when they threw him over, God was not finished with Jonah. Yeah, how many of you know that, that, that um, God is not doing things to us to destroy us? That, that's Satan's job. But, but God is always never trying to make us better. He's always trying to make us better. So it wasn't just because he was disobedient that, that they threw him over and God wanted Jonah to drown. No, when Jonah was thrown over, God had prepared a great fish that swallowed up Jonah. Now, you would think that's the end of it because when a fish swallows you up or something in the sea swallows you up, normally that is the end. But then Jonah was existing in the belly of this great fish. He, he was there. He, he realized where he was. He realized what was going on. Even in the fish, he still could have drowned. But there he was. What do you think Jonah did when he found himself in the belly of this great fish in the middle of the water? What did he do? He prayed. He prayed. What would you have done? Pray. <laughs> Calling on the God that he was being disobedient to, but now calling on him to spare him, to save him, to keep him. He prayed. This experience of being in the belly of this great fish <laughs> led Jonah to obedience. Jonah prayed and he talked to God about what was going on in his life, what was going on and everything else. He prayed and while he was praying, the great fish was moving. By the time Jonah got to, you know, Lord, preaching in Nineveh ain't really all that bad. I, I, I don't, Lord, I don't mind. I'll go where you told me to go. Lord, I'll do what you told me to do. Can you see Jonah in the moment? He said, yes, Lord. I do what you want me to do. The, the Bible says the great fish vomited Jonah out. And he ended up on dry land. Can you guess where that dry land was? <laughs> It was in running distance to Nineveh. Oh my goodness. <sighs> what will it take for the Lord to get us to obey him? Obey so we will do his will and lead those that don't know Christ to know Christ. What would it take for us to quit being disobedient to his will and to his way and to trust him with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding? Some of us may be heading to Joppa. Some might actually be in the belly of a great fish crying out to the Lord. Others might be coming out of an experience that has placed us in a position to obey God. Wherever you are, we have no other alternative than to do God's will. Oh, oh, oh I, don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you're going through it. I don't know what's bothering you. I don't know what keeps you up all night long. I don't know what's bothering you. I don't know what's getting your last nerve. But I can tell you, only being obedient to God and doing God's will will give you the peace that passes all understanding. 
We have no alternative. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15 puts it this way. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died and he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him. Who for their sins died and was raised. That's what we do when we come to communion. We remember that he died. That's what we do when we come to baptism. We remember that he died and was raised. That we might have life. So Job went to Nineveh. And Job preached. And Nineveh was saved. Jonah 3. Beginning with verse 5 says. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them to the least of them. Hmm. They believe God. That they believe about the devastation that was coming their way. And they didn't want to be destroyed. They believed that God could do what he said he would do. But then it goes on and says, The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way. Let me read again. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent. And turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Wow. Now this is serious. Not only did they all decide to fast. But all their pets had to fast. All the cows had to fast. All the sheep had to fast. They couldn't eat or drink anything because they wanted to get God's attention, let them know that they were serious. Not only did they fast, but they turned from their evil ways. Jonah 3 and 10 says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. God saved Nineveh because of Nineveh's obedience to his word. Last point. Are you really that angry? I just read what what happened in Jonah 3 and 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way. God relented of the disaster and he said he would not do it. And he did not do it. Next verse is in Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. This was a successful revival. But why was Jonah angry? Well, we don't have to go far to find the answer. 
Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarsus. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah was not afraid to go to Nineveh. Jonah did not want Nineveh saved. He wanted God to destroy them because he saw them as evil people who needed to be destroyed. He was not upset with what the Ninevites had done. He did not want them spared. He was so upset with what they had done, he did not want them spared. He was not afraid of them. He was angry with them. How many of us may not be afraid of our neighbors or co-workers or enemies? We're just mad with them. And deep down, we really want them to perish. Even end up in hell. So many of those, so many of us who are saved are so angry with Savannians. I'm sorry, the Savannahites and the Chatham Countyites that we fail to give them the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. My question, my question, I'm doing, are you really that angry? We see stuff happening all the time in our community. We see young people that need Jesus. We see older folk that need Jesus. We see the strife. We hear the conflict. We hear the divisions. But yet, are we willing to tell this dying world that we serve a living Savior? We don't have to choose sides with I agree with you or I don't agree with you. I don't like you and all this sort of stuff. Just give them what God has given you. That's his word. God loved us so much that he saved us. That he allowed you to say, Lord, I sin. I'm sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. He loved us so much that Jesus came and died for all of our sins. He hung on the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour with nails on his head, nails on his feet, crown of thorns on his head. He died for all of our sins. But this is a news flash. He died for all of their sins too. He loved us so much. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him 
might be saved. We represent Christ. We have to tell folk who don't know him who he is, and they can tell it, we can tell it best by how we live, not so much by what we say. Do you live love? Do you live forgiveness? Do you live giving? Do you live in such a way that others can see Christ in you and in us? He did die, but the story doesn't stop there. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there all night Friday, stayed there all day Saturday, stayed there all night, but early on that Sunday morning, Jesus got up in the grave with power, power over the grave, victory over death. He ascended into heaven and sent back the Holy Spirit who is power living in us, power so we could love, power so we could care, power so we could give, power so we could forgive. Power so we don't have to walk around here being angry every day of our lives. We have power. Out of all the gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to do more about that, know that anger is not one of them. That's not a God-given gift for us. Certainly God's Word pierces our hearts, even today, as it confronts us with our prejudices, our selfish attitudes, our unforgiving spirits, many of us become so concerned with the vines and the things of this world that we forget the concerns of God. And that's people whom Christ died for. He died for a sin-sick world. He loves everybody. And he calls us to love everybody. You're here today and you're saying, I need the Lord in my life. I've been angry. I'm angry right now. But I need the Lord in my life to help me through the anger. I don't know if you want him to help you by putting you in such a terrible situation that it takes that to get you over your anger. But he compassionately comes to you today. As they come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're here today and if you're online, we'll give you an opportunity to say, Lord, I need you in my life. We're going to pray a prayer that you would have to pray. I can't pray it for you. I can lead you in it. But it's a prayer where you would say, Lord, I, I, I believe Jesus came. I believe he died for my sins, rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you all the days of my life. The Bible says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the word of God. As we pray this prayer, if you want to accept Christ, please repeat these words after me, those at home, those in the building. If you want Lord in your life right now, say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all I should be. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
If you've professed Christ on today and you're in this building and you would like to unite in fellowship with First African Baptist Church, we invite you to walk down the aisles. If you're online, we invite you to type the word saved and then we'll get communication back to you. But thank you so much for giving your life to God. God loves us. God cares for us. As we surrender all, won't you come? Let us receive our benediction. Following our benediction, again, we'll meet with all ministry leaders just for a moment. Just for a moment, uh, less than 10 minutes, let us stand. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, we thank you for being a God who loves us and cares for us in spite of us. We know you love us, God. There's been evidence to what you've already done. Help us to show our love for you by loving one another. Now we ask that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest with the Bible now, henceforth, and forevermore, that the people of God say amen, amen. and praise God. Amen. Please be Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.